Welcome into Distorted Podcast. This week we have a first-time hunter and Maddie Jordan on. She talks about growing up in urban Texas and explains what drew her into hunting. We break down everything from hunter education to her first hunting experience. What were her thoughts of hunting and is she looking forward to getting back into the mountains? Listen in and stay tuned and you should find out. So this week we have a, a special guest, some different than usually we we have on this show. You know, we usually have avid hunters and stuff like this. Now we're coming from a different angle and we have a non-hunter slash outdoors person turned into now first time experience in the outdoors. But we got me and Ruben on and then also we have Maddie on the podcast. What's your last name, Maddie? Jordan. Maddie Jordan on the podcast. So, um, yeah, Matt, if you want to go into uh, introducing yourself a little bit about, you know, where you're from, where you've lived, what you do now, but sure, take the show away here. Sure. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, my name is Maddie. Um, I grew up in Houston, Texas, um, lived there until high school graduation and then went to college on the East Coast in Washington, D.C., so... Up to that point, I, I would describe myself as a pretty urban person, um, was, you know, truly in Houston, um, the city, and, um, you know, wanted to go to college in another big city. Um, but right after graduation from college, I kind of started wanting something different, and I moved out to Colorado um, rural Colorado, um, about a year after I graduated from college and lived on a cattle ranch out there for what, what were your first thoughts there moving, being, uh, urbanized most of your life. And then all of a sudden being thrown on a ranch. Yeah, it was a pretty drastic change. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little shocking that they, so I went to go do an internship on this ranch and in hindsight, it's a little shocking that they took me because of how little I knew about anything. <laughs> um, like, you know, I had to learn how to check oil in the truck engine, uh, you know, tutorial on how to change a tire. Um, what was, what was the internship for? Or? It was for working on the ranch. Um, oh. yeah. Um, so, you know, all that stuff was very necessary to, being able to, to do the job. Um, but I was really starting from scratch, you know, like I, <laughs> I drove a Land Rover in high school. It's like got the spare tire right there on the back of the car and I would get a flat tire yeah. and call AAA. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know how to do anything. So, um, yeah, it was kind of trial by fire, but that was what made me want to go out there and do that is because I felt like there was a whole body of knowledge and like ways of Challenges, existing yeah. in the world that I just didn't understand or know about. So, you know, I did, I did the internship for six months and then, um, I'm still, I still work for that company. I lived on the ranch for seven years and kept, was semi-involved in like the actual ag work, um, for a lot of that period, but there's still a lot of stuff that I, you know, don't know. It was just sort of like an intro yeah. to, to the so You started as an internship and then now you moved to Montana with the same company doing 
similar things or same stuff? Yeah. Well, I, from the internship, I um, stayed on as the photographer, videographer, and then um, kind of grew into a social media position, you know, just gradually added things on. And now it's just, um, I sort of manage all of our digital um, channels and presence because um, we do more than um, just the ag stuff. Like we have a guest program, we have an online store, we have our own podcast. <laughs> um, <Nice. laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was luckily able to go remote um, when I decided I wanted to move to Montana and, and do something. To Montana. Yeah. So you're in Missoula, correct? Yes. In Missoula. Nice. Been about a year uh, so now. no more changing oil. More <laughs> on the computer side. <laughs> I go to the Jiffy Lube again. <laughs> but at least I know nice. that that's a thing cars need because I didn't really know that. <laughs> well, you know how to check it. Do you know how to change your tire now? Or? I do. Yep. Um, nice. I've See? impressed some of my like childhood friends' parents by doing that myself, you know, when I've been staying with them <laughs> <laughs> um nice yeah so um before we get ahead of ourselves are we gonna are we gonna talk about what we ate recently ryan oh shit that's how we always yeah. started off <laughs> yeah what we've been up to or well let's just go we... with meals yeah well let's just go with the meals then all right so uh you can go first ruben I i'll guess. go first so then maddie just kind of gets the idea of how we just talk about you know what's the latest wild game dish we made and have you made any yet with the meat i brought you um last week no i had store-bought chicken tonight unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> well you can we'll think, let it pass. think we'll of let it one pass. in the in before you, we were out of the state for a while that you enjoyed but um I actually cooked up the last cut, which is surprising. I still had any of my 2021 black bear tonight. And um, I had, I think it was a piece of the hind quarter, about a two pound piece of meat. Last night I put it in a little marinade, which like was um, cranberry juice, apple cider vinegar, a little soy sauce and threw in salt, pepper and garlic powder. Let that thing marinate all overnight and today. And um, then I fired up the Traeger and I uh, smoked that thing on the grill about 350 for like an hour and a half until, you know, reach your internal for bear at like 160. And when it was at about 140, 135, I uh, put a bunch of barbecue sauce on it and then turned it up to high to caramelize it and all that. And, uh, and then I ate it with fried apples and onions and coleslaw that I made and some sourdough bread. And yeah, that was, that was very good. I will say I, I, um, didn't make the marinade quite salty enough. I don't think the flavor was there with like the juices and stuff like that, but, um, and a little pepper, but it was definitely, it wasn't dry. It was very moist and like, um, tender, like bear is, I, I still have yet to make bear tough, but, um, it was just like kind of lacking the salty con, you know, construct of it, but like the barbecue sauce made up for it. So it was really good. Nice. You do the apples and all that right on the grill with that. No, I actually sauteed those in a, in a cast iron. Wow. Cause uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to mess. The, 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 actually the trigger was having a hard time keeping temp for some reason, like the, the, the thermostat was kind of not keeping up a little bit. So I didn't want to keep opening, you know, the, the lid, but yeah. 
yeah. for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, mine was kind of a marinade too. So when you guys were here, we went out to that little uh, rooftop um, place and we had those tacos and that. So I've been craving street tacos. And so I made some. So I pretty much just did the old-fashioned Weir's but marinade, which is, yeah, I did it with elk. Um, cut it in small cubes, threw it in the marinade. It was soy sauce, Worcestershire sauce. I don't know, liquid smoke, garlic, onion, your classic kind of basic marinade. And then fried it with some uh, with some peppers. And then I picked from the garden. I picked my first crop, a little bit of lettuce, some cilantro on there, put on there. Um, and then I bought an avocado and sliced up and had that. And ooh, Those are hard to grow in Minnesota. Yeah, can't really <laughs> grow those. Didn't go to the garden for that, but... <laughs> Um, but does Maddie, you have one? Or? I have no idea what the last wild game I cooked. Well, or one of the more interesting, oh maybe. You don't have to explain how to cook it or anything. You just like one, ooh, bon appetit. Just recipe. go, go with the. Um, you really like the pepperoncini one. Oh yeah, I do love a roast. Um, what was that out of? Well, I've done it with a lot of things, I guess. I have like a whole assortment of Ruben's animals. In my <laughs> so he's given you like cuts of some of his animals. Yeah. Well, he ran out of space. Or just uh, he needs space. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> what <he> called it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he knows I like the roast, so he gives those to me. But yeah, it's called a Mississippi roast, I think. Um. It's really easy though. You just you know sear it on all sides and then throw it in the crock pot or the Dutch oven with um, like a whole jar of pepperoncini. And um, I think you're actually just, you're kind of, well, I think the classic is you put ranch dressing on it, but you can just kind of put like do your own and put some mayo and different spices in there. And it just all like melts down and then mixes together when you shred it up. And it, that is so good. <laughs> was are these like your first few times having wild game or did you have it when you moved to Colorado on that um I didn't really have it very often in Colorado I didn't know many people who hunted certainly not who shared as much meat with me yeah. as Ruben does um <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know I'd had elk certainly like in restaurants and um probably here and there well actually I did I had some pronghorn in Colorado. Um, that was actually from a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but from like a CPW um, collaring operation gone wrong where they accidentally <laughs> killed an animal. So we harvested the meat. Um, well, it went, which, went to good use somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wasn't a big part of my diet. I mean, it was a cattle ranch, so we ate a lot of cattle. <laughs> cool yeah we can move in kind of you know coming from houston you know living urban and um like what was your kind of relationship with the outdoors before you know you got into this hunting and eating wild game and stuff like that yeah were you an avid hiker or a floater or a, um well i guess before all? colorado um I would say I just dabbled in 
various recreational things. You know, I hiked, but not like avidly. Um, I mean, I really like to travel. So I did, I've done some hiking related trips and things like that. But um, I mean, going to Colorado definitely changed my experience of with being outside and land, I guess. Um, did So in those other places, did you have uh, like close proximity to any uh, recreational activities? Not as much as out West? Definitely not as much. Um, I mean, Houston, you're like ensconced in concrete for miles. It's hard to get out of there into any <laughs> open space. Definitely. I mean, not a lot of public land around either. Um, so that, I mean, that just wasn't a big part of my childhood, at least, you know, when I was in Houston, um, and probably same thing with DC, you know, I was just very, um, like content with being in the city and I think didn't really realize, you know, what I would feel now, like I'm missing cause I hadn't experienced it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So walking in, why, like why now the, um, interest in hunting and that aspect of the outdoors or recreation, I guess, same thing. Yeah. Well, being in Colorado, I mean, so when I was working on the ranch, we were like riding horses out and moving cattle multiple times a week. You were outside all the time and it wasn't, you know, it was, it's a very different way of life because it's not, it's not recreational actually. It's, you know, your work, work. <laughs> time outside working, but you just yeah. um, get a lot more connected to your surroundings and I guess more in tune with, you know, the natural rhythms of nature as opposed to just sitting behind a computer or in an office or whatever inside all day. That's um, true. Your job now and your life is kind of controlled by the outdoors and what the weather's going on or what's yeah, doing. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was for a while. Um, now I'm behind a computer all day, but it really, um, you know, I feel lucky to have had that experience because it did open me up to um, enjoying doing activities like that. Um, did um, after meeting Ruben, um, could we go into how you guys met or <laughs> no? I mean, because I mean, to explain kind of part of the story, you know, like you guys went on some hunts now together uh, prior to um, getting your hunter safety and stuff like that. So I think that would be yeah. pertinent, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd say like just the culture of hunting and fishing in Montana is like very, um, you know, you, you can't avoid it once you move here. <laughs> is that a bad thing or a good thing? <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact of living here. I think of like, you get exposed to it in a way that I hadn't ever been before. Um, you know, people hunt in Colorado, but it's just not the same. I mean, and in Texas, but it's certainly not the same as it is here. Um, so I think it was something, you know, when I like, when I move somewhere, I go somewhere, I really want to learn everything about like what makes that place, what it is. So I read a lot about hunting and fishing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, meeting Ruben, he's, 
very passionate about it. So, um, you know, I think it just like naturally piqued my curiosity to be like, okay, what is this that he's so um, excited about? Crazy about, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So um, on our first date, I think it was like August 31st or something like that. Like it was like the Wednesday before Archery Opener of Elk or something like that. Pretty sure, like, right out the gate, I told you, I'm like, you're probably not going to see me too much if we keep seeing each other for the next three months. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to be kind of gone. But, yeah, and then but, you got your first elk not long after. Yeah, I shot my first. That was a sign you needed to spend time. Actually, I had the, <laughs> I have had the best hunting season of my life uh, immediately following uh, starting to see Maddie. <laughs> Shot an elk and two pronghorn and a whitetail. Not so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, but it's pretty hard to avoid the hunting thing if you start hanging around me, for sure. Yeah. When I, I, mean, I think too. Did you take her on any hunts or anything? Um. Yeah. Well, I don't. Why don't you talk about that, Maddie? I kind of can't remember exactly how that all went down. I guess what was your first one that you? Uh, took her on or yeah. whatnot well i guess the or first Ruben one took you on the first one was when we went down to what is that unit we can't say units oh. on this podcast yeah, we can't okay. say units. Um, but yeah <laughs> the first one we went on is when we went out just kind of casually looking for a cow elk um and yeah so i had a, a bonus tag in the unit that i was uh hunting we actually didn't kill that elk in that unit, the bull, but um, I had a bonus cow tag and I had already killed an elk and two antelope. And so I was like, this would be a good opportunity to take Maddie out because hunting cow elk later, you know, in October, there were, you know, more feed patterns herded up, probably not as in crazy places. And um, we have a rifle and we have a lot of target animals versus a bull. You know, there's way fewer bulls, much less legal bulls. So I'm like, this would be a good opportunity to go out. I'm not like, I would love to, you know, harvest a cow elk, but I'm not going to be disappointed at all if like we can't, but it'd be good for her to come on this hunt. Cause then I can just kind of like, you know, mold it to like her interests and abilities beginning out. Cause it's not one of those crazy, you know, go kill yourself hunts that I like to do on my own. <laughs> so we went out. It was actually perfect weather. It wasn't really great weather for hunting. It was just like very temperate, nice weather to be hiking. It was like 50 degrees, sunny. So like, you know, the elk were pretty much moving at dawn and dusk and no other time. So, but we did see a lot of white-tailed does. Um, yeah. What did you, how did you, I guess, going into that, what changed, what changed in your view of what that was going to be like after we actually went, I, I remember you thought there was a lot of, uh, hiking involved. I guess. Yeah. What did you expect <laughs> versus the reality yeah. <laughs> of that? Well, I don't know if I really knew what to expect. Cause I'd never been hunting period before. Um, so it was all kind of new to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was a decent amount of hiking, <laughs> Um, ha, has Ruben covered his like different levels of, of hunts on this podcast? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I, no, I was just talking about like diff difficulty of like hiking days while hunting. And I was saying like, you know, um, like when you and I went to the Uintas, that day would have been like a four 
maybe even a five. Like a five is, you know, the hardest. Though I feel like that day would have been a five if we had bad, bad weather. Because we hiked like 12 miles that day and up and down like 2,000 some feet elevation. Like it was quite a big day. So that was like high level. And I told her that we did like a 1.5. Yeah. So (laughs) we did about five (laughs) miles. We did about five miles over the whole day in like 1,500 feet, which isn't nothing for sure. But, uh, you know, it was like on parky stuff, you know, from the road. We took some breaks and stuff. So, I mean, like it wasn't like just walking your dog, definitely. But Mm -hmm. I was just kind of getting her like a a little um, window into like what what it is like this is a this is a leisurely hunt (laughs) yeah i mean the pieces i remember of being like the hardest about it are just how often you have to take off or put on layers (laughs) like stop to do that and how kind of irritating it is to like carry an empty pack around without any (laughs) promise of ever needing it feeling it (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yep, as Homo sapiens, it sucks to just have skin, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when you're cold, I know you don't have anything to shelter you. Too hot and then too cold. Um, but so, what made you want to take your hunter safety and get into hunting then after those experiences? <laughs> um. Or was it someone behind you pushing you along or something? I mean, I definitely have had plenty of encouragement. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think, like, the experience of being able to go get your own food out of the woods or wherever is really cool. Um, And, like, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure if I am, like, a lifelong passionate hunter, but um, I'll try anything once, kind of. So I think, you know, as what I was saying earlier about it being, um, you know, something that's kind of part of the fabric of a lot of people's lives in Montana. It's just something I wanted to try. Try and be a part of. Yeah. Also, um, following that elk hunt, because uh, Maddie is pretty interested in the food aspect of it, I actually ended up shooting a uh, whitetail buck with my bow not that far from uh, Missoula. And so she wasn't doing anything, so I let her know that I had, you know, got one down, and I had to go back to the truck to get a few things because of the way the access and uh so she came down and um went out there and helped cut it up watch well help definitely helped held some legs and stuff and uh i cut it up and then we both packed it out and uh so that was i think pretty pretty interesting to see um the animal cut up especially because you had done that before right on uh like um that class about cutting up an animal that you went to was that before that happened um, yeah, I think so. I took a butchering class here, um, where we learned how to butcher a deer and that was something we did every year on the ranch. Um, so you know, I think just like philosophically, it's important to me to be involved in your food production and whatnot. If you can kind of see, see the thing all the way through yeah. really, you know, yeah. from a live, happy animal on the on the landscape and then all of a sudden to i guess your plate right so she's seen everything so far besides the actual uh part where you kill it which did uh did you like the gutting well i guess gutting really isn't smell it there's really nothing that's smelly i i didn't i mean, anything... I stomach on that one 
Yeah. Was there anything <laughs> non very appetizing or intriguing? Um, no, or it was just kind of cool. So. It's pretty, I feel like it's, it changes shifts pretty quickly from being like an animal to food once you have it True. on the ground. It was interesting too, cause she'd never really seen it. Um, when I was, when I was field dressing it and, you know, quartering it, like that was actually, she was commenting on that was quite a bit different than what they were doing in the butchering class. Cause they had a whole, I think it was, it skinned or not skinned yet. It was already skinned and hanging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so they had a whole, yeah. a whole skinned hung animal to work on in a controlled environment. So it was like a lot different with the, you know, gutless method, flipping it over, keeping your tarp down, trying to keep your blades clean, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Using the hide as a tarp or, yeah, it's totally yeah. different from it hanging in your garage, doing it that way versus out in the field. And it was dark, so we were using headlamps. True, true, true. Um, so so back, yeah, to the hunter, or hunter safety, I guess the one thing you need to do in Montana or anywhere to uh, operate a firearm going after an animal is hunter safety. So um, I guess how, yeah, how did you... Um, find a course in in montana and or you know uh, sign up for it um just online i think sorry it's i I don't want to it's fwp (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i think just via fwp's website they point you so your local state government um or state uh wildlife resources has has those resources wherever you are probably but we we're still from, uh, I say we because I work for FWP, um, we we still have, and in Montana, just, um, it's still all, you have an all online option. I'm not sure if they just passed it in the legislature where they're requiring a really? field day again, but since yeah. COVID, it's been all online with no required field day. There are some field days offered that are voluntary, but it's not required. It's kind of a big hot point right now i feel like in the in the hunting community because like a lot of hunter ed instructors just totally quit when they went full online and no field or field they required so now we're trying to i think they're trying to recruit more hunter ed instructors again um but so yeah maddie you did it all online yeah and got certified but then i was you know gonna take her out to actually go and use some uh, firearms yeah for sure well before that um, did you have any interesting, uh, things you took away or just things you never thought of or about hunting or safety aspect of all, everything or, um, from the course, yeah. from the course, yeah, yeah, from the hunter safety course, or just thought that were interesting. Like, I'm surprised they covered that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably mostly all new to me (laughs) I mean I really needed to take the course to learn most of that um I don't know that any of it was super surprising I mean they you know cover conservation a lot um stress it a lot to the same degree that you're learning about like what's what are these different types of guns and what are the different types of actions and all that kind of stuff um was that um previous to taking hunters that i mean people 
people in our sphere always tout, you know, hunting as conservation, which recently I've kind of like taken odds to that term because it's, it's actually a tool in the conservation toolbox. Hunting is not straight out conservation. Obviously you can have hunting that's bad for conservation, but, um, I'm wondering if that's something you had heard before and then like you like reiterated it, or if you like thought people were just BSing the whole time about being interested in conservation and just going out and shooting stuff or. No, not at all. I mean, that was definitely my perception of, um, you know, what a lot of hunting is about. I guess I was just more maybe surprised that it was part of the curriculum per se. Um, and like something that, they're actively trying to teach new hunters about. Yeah. It's part of the hunting culture, honestly. Should be. If it's not, I feel like there's a problem. Yeah, if we didn't have a conservation, we wouldn't have hunting, really. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, so, I mean, your experience with, uh, like, a firearm before all this, did that class help you, you know, learn the ins and outs of a gun and then also make you not as nervous, maybe using your first firearm um i don't know that it made me less nervous i mean they definitely cover like all the ways you can accidentally kill yourself with a gun um <laughs> like ways that i hadn't thought of before <laughs> um, so you know i think like what you were saying ruben the um the in-person part of it is pretty essential to like actually have somebody yeah. show you a firearm in person and you know i mean they're all very different so i think you kind of need someone to like walk you through exactly if you haven't been around firearms before which i hadn't really i agree i think most people are visual learners that that aspect of the class is probably good to get you out there to kind of know a little bit more be familiarized with that weapon but yeah you're not going to learn by not doing it right but so did you, you have luckily had, I guess, Ruben to, um, kind of introduce you to that little sphere of, um, operating a firearm and that. So, um, mm -hmm. what was your first experience shooting and like, what, what did you start with? I guess, firearm wise. Um, Ruben might have to jump. Out. Ruben can help <laughs> phone a friend. <laughs> so we, um, we went out to an area. I didn't want to take her to a range. Uh, because I feel like first time people. shooters, that's like, that's a pretty high stress environment. Even for me, when I go to a gun range still, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm shooting my gun in my shooting lane and all that. But like, I kind of have my hat on a swivel a little bit, you know, there's gunshots going off everywhere. You kind of got to be like looking out and make sure everybody's being safe and whatnot, you know? Um, so I was like, that seems like a pretty stressful place. And, and honestly, just the, I feel like people are not used to the, just completely random gunfire when you go to a gun range like you just have to be like tone deaf to it like there's explosions going on around you all over like i mean so. i could see someone not used to gunfire i mean i'm i'm still not used to gunfire if something yeah. goes off or loud noises around here your heart rate goes up so now yeah. you have a firearm in your hand yeah and you're not gonna really difficult place to first time try and focus on what you're doing if you've never mm -hmm. been around it before. So I took her out to a place, you know, there's plenty of places in Montana that you can go. Make sure that you're being safe and you're not trashing places because um, people often do that. But we went to a piece of public. I think it was on Forest Land. I'm pretty sure it's on Forest Land because in state land, you're not allowed to target shoot here. 
Um, that's definitely a rule that gets broken a lot, but, um, and we set up some targets and I brought out the 22 first 22 is just a great beginner's gun, like zero recoil, easy to handle. This is a, this was a bolt action. Um, not a single shot, but it's a bolt action. And, um, and I feel like it's like more, uh, intuitive with you know i'm putting i'm putting my crosshairs here and a single bullet's going there and i'm trying to like make that target and you go through you know your breathing rhythms you're squeezing the trigger safety all that kind of stuff then we're gonna do so i think backing up slightly i think the whole one of the impetus for her taking hunters that i think we're talking about going out turkey hunting and i was like well you know, if you're going to go, like, you should probably finish Hunter's Ed a few weeks before turkey season starts, you know, so we can have the whole season and, like, take time to go do that. So we were out there, you know, late March or early April doing this. Um, and so I was going to get her to use a shotgun because you got to use a shotgun to shoot turkeys. And um, shotguns... What was the plan shotgun-wise? Like, what were you going to give her to um, to shoot a turkey, I guess? What, what gauge... Yeah, so the first day we went out on this field day, I only had my guns, which was a Remington 870 12-gauge pump action, and then I also had my grandpa's old uh, breech action 16-gauge, Yeah. Um, which um, I feel like is a great gun, too, for beginners because it's pretty hard to not know what's going on there. If the breech is open, you're good. You can see if there is a bull or a, a round in it. And, um, it's, it's one shot. You don't have to worry about anything after you shoot. Like there's no more ammo in the gun, all that kind of stuff. Um, but because of the kick of both of those, um, I went to a friend and got a 20 gauge breech action for her to actually use while we're turkey hunting. But anyways, back to the, the field day. Um, did you end up shooting one of those that day? I don't think you did. So I shot the shotgun first and it was kind of intimidating for her. So actually pulled out the 7mm08 I have and um, she shot a water jug and blew it right up for a shot. So that was good. I think she's I think she's a sharpshooter, honestly, Ryan. Watch um, your ass. <laughs> and and uh, so, yeah, she, she liked the rifles the first time. It was good because we got, you know, kind of mechanics down, handling, you know, barrel control, safety, cognizant, you know, finger out the trigger, all that kind of stuff. And then I think a week later, so I picked up that other shotgun and then we went and patterned that and, uh, she shot it and shot it well. Still didn't really enjoy shooting it. I don't think though, because I mean, it's, it's a pretty big bang from a shotgun. <laughs> I mean, a rifle is pretty powerful too, but I feel like they're more designed to absorb that and it's more accuracy mm -hmm. whereas a shotgun is kind of more point and blast. Um, yeah. Wouldn't say I particularly enjoy shooting either, but but the rifle was um, better. Yeah. <laughs> I was a twenty. I was the twenty-two. Which one was that? <laughs> the the first one, the little little yeah. little one. Little pea shooter. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Better. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to give you the old ten gauge with a turkey load in it. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I might like a bow That's better. A... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but nice and quiet. So, what, your take home was just a, maybe a little more comfortable with like firearms, both shotguns and rifles, but still 
a little not as comfortable, I guess, with it, yeah. right? I mean, I through think, this at this point, yeah. After we went on maybe four turkey hunts, I mean, I think just walking around with it a little bit more, I feel yeah more comfortable. I mean, when Ruben first pulled them out in his apartment to be like, "Here are the guns," <laughs> it was like very uncomfortable just yeah. like, being in the same room as them. Um, so I think it's re- it's just like a exposure and exposure yeah so then did you guys do any other preparation you know your goal was to go on this turkey hunt so did you do any other preparation like trying to see some animals getting you exposed to calling maybe or even just hearing calls and vocalizations yeah. you know how um, much i turkey call ryan you should do one right now or <laughs> i i don't Is know is gonna go off in the background oh uh, yeah probably um, no we went scouting a few times um and definitely saw a bunch of birds um which was helpful i think um in like what way just kind of laying your eyes on that animal and yeah seeing what they do and yeah body language wise yeah for them. totally and i mean ruben yeah. kind of talk about like okay they're in this field right now they're probably roosting over there this is I would imagine that, you know, towards the end of the day, they're going to start moving over here. So just trying to start understanding how they, how they operate. Was that kind of an interesting thing of like learning the animal and it's like, Oh, turkeys, they roost in a tree, they feed on this and this. And yeah. Cause I always think as like non hunters or something, I'm like, that's, that's just an interesting thing. I'll just go out there and watch these animals run around, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the times that we saw birds when we did go hunting, that's what we were doing. We weren't taking any shots because uh, <laughs> because of where they were. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoy that, just observing them. Um, yeah. Especially turkeys. That's a win-win. Like entertaining with their strutting and everything. Yeah, who needs a TV when you got the outdoors all behind you, right? <laughs> watch the animals. Just watch the wind blow and a needle. I don't know. Yeah. Maddie's biggest yeah. hang-up was how early turkey hunting is. <laughs> and we, we went the first half of the season. I'm glad, you know, <laughs> that you you there, Ryan, when you said you were going out, or that wasn't you, Matt said that he went out at, I think you said he got up at 3.30. When you get a late season yeah. in Minnesota. Late season is. Yeah. Mm. I'm not a morning person. And I don't think Ruben got any of his turkeys like first thing in the morning. So I was like, why do we have to get up at <laughs> four if you're getting your turkeys at 11 a.m.? Yeah, you know, I did get the, I got my first one right away in the morning. Okay. So one of them. But it's I'll all about being morning. out there. It's about the <laughs> dance. So you showed up late yeah. to the party. You didn't know what happened between fly down and when you get them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. So, um, but so, yeah, uh, going into the hunt, I would say we can transition into that. What did you guys do? Um, I, I hear you didn't like waking up <laughs> until that <laughs> happened, <laughs> but you got out there at the right time, right? You'd force it through, yeah. fill up your thermos of coffee. Exactly. Yeah. And make a big breakfast, right, Ruben? Yeah, well, I always have to have breakfast. Manny just needs coffee. <laughs> but um, I think that she was saying one of her favorite parts of the whole deal was having me drive to the spot in the morning while she was drinking coffee yeah. in the passenger seat. <laughs> coffee hour. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so then from there, when you got to the spot. Yeah. Well, should we talk about the new spot we're hunting on? Basically, we, we got a actually mutual friend that Maddie and I um, knew before we met each other. Uh, he runs a ranch down here, cattle operation near Missoula. And um, yeah, we I went up and uh, asked him if he would mind if we went and hunted on his land. And he was at first like he would let me hunt, but like it was kind of like he lets a lot of people hunt his place. So it was kind of like, oh, we'll have to see when he can fit in, like get on the schedule with, you know, all the other guys that are hunting. And I was like, well, I really don't need to take a turkey out here. I've got a lot of spots, but um, Maddie is first time trying to hunt. So I was hoping that we could maybe get a kind of like a more, I don't know, control situation, yeah. like not hiking in like two miles pre-dawn like I do to stupid things. Um, and he was he was all like about it after I told him Maddie wasn't going to do it. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll make sure she gets first crack at it. I'll tell all those other guys, first time hunter, she, she's out there first. So uh, we ended up actually not hunting the area where they have the cattle operation, but more some of his property a little down the way. So um, it was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like bird, you know, backyard bird hunting a little bit, you know, like there was public or well, it was private land, but it was like, you know, undeveloped land up the hill behind like uh, a little neighborhood that had some larger plots, like, you know, five, 10 acre plots and stuff like that. So, um, and there were a lot of turkeys there. Uh, so we, we ended up setting up a, a ground blind. Well, actually the first morning that we went in anyways, um, do you want, do you want to tell how that stuff went or you want me to run it down? Well, I think I'd say, yeah, I'd go into what you guys were in, in a ground blind and that, and then Maddie can take the reins and I'll just, just lay out the, the hunting specifics for people who want to know about the hunting specifics. There was probably uh, three toms and only two hens in this flock, which is really weird. Our friend said that that's like half as many turkeys as normally are there in the spring. It was a pretty hard winter. I don't know if they had much to do with it in that specific spot or not, because those backyard birds tend to do pretty well over the winter. But anyways, um, they were so easy to roost. Like you could hear them gobbling throughout the whole neighborhood, like in the trees where they were at. Um, so we decided to try to get them the first time we went in on the hill didn't really end up working out and they always come down into the backyards anyway. And like, you know, small pastures, it's not like a backyard, like a mowed backyard. They're like small pastures. And, um, so we, we talked to, uh, Bart and he was like, well, you know, you could set up a ground blind, like right on the back of our fence, looking into the pasture there. Cause they kind of come down and that's where they strut and do all their stuff. So after the first day of like messing around and trying to get them up on the hill and call them over, which they were gobbling and coming in, but they were hanging up through the thick stuff and just went down to where they normally strut. The next day, we the next time we went, we set up a ground blind, and um, lo and behold, they roosted in the same exact spot the night before, and then uh, we showed up that morning. Maddie, do you want to talk about the uh, ground blind hunt morning? Yeah. Um, well, I enjoyed it because I got to sit there and drink my coffee for even longer. <laughs> um, but, I mean... I don't know. Part of the coolest, one of the coolest parts of that whole thing was like seeing a coyote, you know, like in the dim morning light, like really close to the blind and some of the other animals that just don't realize you're there. Um, yeah. So I was setting up a hen decoy and when I was walking back to her, she's like, what's that? And like 15 yards behind me, a coyote had like ran in damn near on it. And then we kind of like shoot it away. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. 
Um, yeah, we, I mean, we sat there and we saw and watched a bunch of turkeys, but no toms ever came in close enough for anything. Um, did you, did you have other birds come in close too? to, yeah, but no, just not toms. Yeah. I mean, there were two hens that, I mean, Ruben said it's the closest he's ever been to a live turkey in the wild who were, I don't know, maybe three yards from the blind, like yeah, really close, um, which was super cool. But yeah, the toms had different ideas. They didn't want to come as close. I think, um, I think that Tom, uh, so there were times, multiple times that were like constantly gobbling and strutting at about 80 yards, hundred yards away, like either in the neighbor's pasture or barely in the one that we were sitting in. And it's funny because Maddie was having like a great time watching them and thinking they were so funny, like, you know, strutting and gobbling. And I was just like, <laughs> so frustrated the whole time. Like they're not going to come over, you know, but one did end up coming pretty close. I think that just, I don't know. I, I feel like Tom's, I mean, obviously hens are very wary also, but I feel like Tom's just because they fight so much and they're always kind of putting themselves at risk. They kind of like get weirded out about certain things. And he did not like the ground blind. Like those hens could have almost grabbed him out the window. They didn't care. They were pecking around that Tom, He still like came in and like made like a wide loop at like 40 yards, 50 yards around the outside of it. And so we never got a shot at him. And I, and then he actually kind of spooked a little bit when I told Maddie to try to, you know, like get her gun ready. And then he like went up the hill and I actually ended up calling him back, but he went even further to loop around. So it was kind of close. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like, if you're an experienced turkey hunter, you kind of knew like, yeah, this, this, this hasn't flipped the switch in my head where it's like, okay, well, this could actually happen right now. You know, it was kind of like there's turkeys everywhere, but we don't have like the, one ingredient to make this actually, you know, happen right now. Um, two things. Uh, what was your first thoughts? Have you ever heard? Well, I guess rewind that. Have you ever heard a, uh, a Tom gobble before or a Turkey gobble before? Um, I mean, Ruben started doing his gobbles pretty early. Wow. Okay. <laughs> not, not Ruben gobble. But, um, no, I had heard the gobbles, I guess the, for the first time when we went out scouting. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 But it was what pretty was like about, about that, especially them being pretty dang close to you. Yeah. And them fanning and gobbling and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's cool. They're, we, I mean, it's almost comical. Um, they're kind of <laughs> <laughs> like cartoonish. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a very distinct sound. <laughs> yeah. What did you think the how the turkeys look? Pretty or just kind of weird looking? <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty. They're also like a little goofy. I feel like the way they, yeah. when they yeah, blow up. <laughs> I guess the other thing too is if that turkey, that old Tom would have moseyed on in to range what was going through your head, I guess, if you would have had to click the safety off and pull the trigger? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question because I kind of feel like it worked out <laughs> the way it was supposed to. Like, I'm not sure I was really ready to actually do that, pull the trigger yet. Um, definitely the first day I was not 
you know, and every subsequent time we went out, I felt a little more ready to. Um, but yeah, there's something that's kind of terrifying about it. Um, of like, yeah, the, f- the first day we got out there and it was literally like we heard them on the roost and then we went up on the hill around like so you couldn't really hear them. And then they came around and pretty close in like, you know, Ryan, where it's like there's turkey around a hill. And then as soon as he crests like over and he's like in your face, like way louder. And then I'm like, here he comes. Sit down. And she's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. It was like instantly like the first thing in the morning. But that one ended up, like I said, hanging up and then going down in the pasture, probably like 100 yards away. He never came the distance. But Yeah. So you guys eventually never never were able to pull the trigger, though? No. Um, I mean, I was on my turkeys, but not. <laughs> like, that's that's a thing with me is I feel like I'm a terrible guide because, like, I'll go out there and it's like when I'm by myself, I kill turkeys. And then I'm like, hey, I killed a turkey out of this spot. There are a bunch of others. You know, I'll take you there. And we go and well, I mean, go into that Ruben a little bit, like how, how was it, you know, as a hunter that's been out there, that's pretty good at Turkey hunting. How was it taking like a new hunter and what was, I guess your, your pre thoughts of that setting her up and things like that. Um, it was, it's pretty interesting, um, having to, use your other facilities. I use my legs a lot. Um, we weren't going to do that, especially given that we were hunting on a private piece where you can't really go after birds. You got to, you know, rely on your calling and your setup. And I never hunt out of a ground blind. This, you know, we used to in Channingtown a lot and we've never killed one doing that. (laughs) Um, so I was like, but this is the most controlled situation. We have birds that have a regular schedule you know, I can try to call them over a little bit. We know they're hand up though. So we had some decoys out and, um, and just the biggest thing with Turkey hunting is movement in that last 50 yards. So I'm like the best thing to do here would have a ground blind because like, no matter how much you tell somebody until you do it a bunch of times, you just like, don't know exactly when and how much you can move and a Turkey can pick you off like nothing. So I'm like ground blind is the best way to go about this. Plus uh, it was pretty comfortable. So like I didn't, I didn't want to take Maddie out there and like be, you know, like on the frozen ground for like an hour and a half in the morning waiting for a turkey to come in, you know, and, and ruin it to her for her. But uh, so, yeah, all those elements kind of made me had to like operate outside my normal groove, which I don't know if I was very good at it, but it's like um, if you want to have breadth as a hunter, like you should try different tactics and things like that. And at least now I have a little bit more repetitions trying that way even though it didn't really work out super well um i mean it worked out well like maddie (laughs) said she enjoyed it we saw a lot of birds it was a great hunt it's just like you know me i'm always kind of like going for the kill um but the other thing that was interesting about it was like she she had such a great time just being out there and and uh observing and just being a part of it. Whereas like, you know, I, I kind of realized even more so how much I'm like super focused and like trying to get it done, you know, and maybe yeah. I should stop every once in a while and just be like, wow, this is great. Like, look at all the birds singing and turkeys over there goblin and it's green and sunny. And instead of just being like, I got to go kill that thing, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah. I think at one point too, on the last time we went on, we, we struck up a bird down the ridge and I was like, all right, let's drop down the ridge to this flat spot and we'll call them over. And like, I'm, 
taken off down the ridge to go. And I look around and like Maddie's like taking a picture of me with her disposable camera, <laughs> <laughs> just like enjoying the moment and everything. And I'm like, let's go. And she's like, you already filled your tags. It's my tag. I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was that pretty much the, cause I mean, you, everybody learns from each other. And, um, was that kind of the main takeaway that you learned actually from her is like, sometimes you just got to slow down and enjoy the hunt versus trying to get it done so much, take the pressure off you a little bit, or were there other things you learned from her perspective? Um, I would say, yeah, definitely like just being more a part of the experience, but also, um, I guess I learned about myself that I need to, uh, be more, uh, I, I'm just not a good teacher. I feel, I feel like I say that often. <laughs> I'm like, not a good teacher. I need to work on teaching people and like focusing more on like having things happen if they happen, but in a way that's going to be good for people to learn versus like just having it like the way in my head that it's supposed to happen, you know? Be more versatile with like what you're gonna get from it, and like not so wrapped up in the outcome. Um, yeah, yeah. And then going into all this whole experience, Maddie, does this make you want to go after anything else? You know, any goal or animal you would like to uh, pursue in the future? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do want to, um, you know see the whole experience through with some something. Um, so I think we're going to try for deer in the fall. Um, it's actually something about a deer that's like more appealing to me than a turkey. I think maybe because of like the amount of meat you get from one animal. Um, Is it too a little bit kind of the conservation factor of, you know, if you're going after a deer decent high abundance in the mountain west of whitetail and then also they're kind of a nuisance species really you think about it yeah for sure i mean they seem very plentiful so it's like makes sense to go harvest one that'll you know feed Mm -hmm. you for months and months and months um before we wrap up the the turkey season though there were two things actually the thing that i think i remember the most was uh after the first day we went out um, I'd never heard anybody describe it like this before, but I was like, what do you think of that, Maddie? And she's like, it felt very healthy. I was like, you know what? I've never like thought mm. that explicitly, but I definitely feel that all the time. Like this is like a very healthy thing to be doing, being out immersed in the world and being breathing clean air and up early in the morning. And it's just like good for your body and your mind and everything. Um, it's an organic thing. You know, this is what our ancestors did. This is... This is what it's all about. And then the other thing um, that I learned, I guess, is that I I hold myself in high regard for, like, keeping as much meat as possible off of animals compared to my other hunting colleagues. And Maddie took it a step further. And after I was done getting the breasts off the turkey and the wings and the legs, she's like, why don't you gut it and save that whole carcass so I can make stock out of it? (laughs) So I'm like... At the end of the day, the only thing we threw out pretty much was the guts and, yeah, the feathers. I mean, Which so. you save every single one, so. <laughs> Not yeah, I've either. got a lot of turkey fans and feathers and things like that. Um, yeah, Maddie, one thing, I guess, too, I guess to start wrapping, wrapping this up, um, have your thoughts changed about hunting from, you know, not doing it 
coming from Houston, kind of being immersed into the outdoor life cycle of um, lifestyle, I guess, of Missoula, Montana, and then now actually partaking in it. Has your views or anything has changed? Has it changed you as a person, mentality, food-wise, or seeing how the whole food web works? I guess not through yet, but... Yeah. Um, Well, definitely, like, from growing up, when I was a kid, I never would have thought I'd go hunting. I think that's maybe just partially part of the differences between what hunting is like in a lot of Texas versus here. But, I mean, I feel like that shift happened for me actually before moving to Montana um, in terms of, you know, when I lived on the ranch, I would only eat the meat from the ranch. So, like, knowing where my food comes from and feeling good about where it has come from has been important to me for a while. Um, So I think that's part of why... I was interested in learning more about hunting and trying it. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of that last piece of what Ruben just said of like how like good it kind of feels to just be out there is maybe a part that I didn't fully expect. I guess being part of that niche, right? You know, you're just, we were here and we lived together with all the animals too. Now we're just filling part of our niche. Otherwise, when we're living in a concrete jungle, that's just not what we're about really, you know? Right. And it was kind of cool that you said, you know, it just felt healthy. It's like, that's a great, I think that's a cool something you said there. Yeah. It felt just good. Yeah. And I mean, seemed to me the first time that I was getting to know Maddie too, is she definitely was interested in the wild game, you know, straight from the land kind of stuff. Um, Cause didn't you have a, what was that uh, vegetable like produce delivery thing you had going on there for a while? Oh yeah. Well, I do a, a CSA or I did last year. Um, so what is that? Um, it's what well, it stands for community supported agriculture, I think, but basically by a share in a farm, a local farm and this one is more of a co-op of a few different farms but um it's like a flat fee you pay and basically you're just investing in a portion of the harvest so you get a big basket of produce every week yeah so it worked out it worked out really well while she was on that too because it was like we we're eating everything from the immediate area because i wasn't really like she'd get the produce through that and I'd like have the, you know, the elk or the deer meat or whatever. And then you over there, Ryan, you're just growing yours in the backyard. And then shooting the deer that are eating it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know. no, I think that was, uh, that seemed to me before even, um, and, and just for the record with the deer butchering workshop and like, I think even taking Hunter's Ed, I was not the one to suggest that to Maddie. She was just already doing that. <laughs> So it wasn't like I was like nudging her along. She had a definite interest in that. And I was just like there to help and, and definitely on the hunting side of things. Um, but as far as like the actual other things building up to taking Hunter Ed and then like going hunting, like she was kind of like already chopping on the bit a little bit for that. But um, yeah, just the whole really, really healthy meat too. Mm-hmm. Maddie, even more oh. than I do eats really healthy. Um and so like the, the meat and that the healthiness of the meat that comes from the land is a big deal. I think one thing you said just earlier, your comment there of Maddie taking courses prior to 
you know, you or whatnot, um, how was it just trying to get as a female in the outdoor industry, you know, a pretty, uh, male dominant sport hunting, um, how was it getting into that? Did you feel welcome or did you feel any pushback or did, I don't know, like, was it harder getting into it? Um, I mean, it, it definitely feels a little more intimidating just because there's so much, um, testosterone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of elements of like the etiquette of, um, you know, like the first, when, when Ruben and I went out elk hunting for the first time, you know, there were like people up ahead of us. And so the etiquette of being like, okay, we can't go hunt here anymore. There's just a lot of, I think, like learned knowledge through your experience um, of doing it for years and years that I would be like second guessing myself on a lot of like, oh, is this okay? Am I doing this wrong? Is somebody going to see what I'm doing and think I'm doing it wrong? Um, So, yeah, it's it. it, I mean, there's a lot to know, um, you know, from like how to handle your gun to where do you even go to try and get this certain animal um, that I'd, yeah, I'm not sure how I would do it without um, some sort of guide or mentor to teach me. I think too, I mean, I don't know if there's groups or anything out there. Cause I feel like as beginner hunters, everybody has some sort of mentor that got them into the outdoors or, you know, help them push along. Cause all what you're explaining, you know, we've never learned that really by ourselves. We learned that through someone else. Right. And I feel, I, I don't know. I wish I had resources or some stuff for like people to uh, go to, to um, have mentorship programs. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure the state wildlife agencies have somewhat of a, a jump start, but still you're a little bit on your own after that. Yeah, but there are, there's um, a couple of groups in Montana actually that are specifically for women too. Um, the butchering class that I took was actually taught by this woman who started an organization called Deer Camp Montana that I think it started as just like a gear rental library because that's a big part of it too. It's like I'm not going to go buy a firearm if I'm not sure this is something I want to do long term, Um, which I don't think she rents out guns, but, you know, just the camo and everything because I was wearing like Ruben's pants and whatnot i don't have look like mc ammer out there probably (laughs) a little big but yeah but yeah that was also um like you were saying ryan how a lot of these things that like maddie was asking me questions about why or how certain things happen and that that's a part that's real valuable to me along with uh another guy that i went hunting with on his first deer hunt ever last fall it's like all these little things that we just know and do. Um, sometimes it's like good to think about why and how we do them in the first place. Like I never like think about certain, yeah, certain moves you make that someone might not realize or like, um, or etiquette, like letting someone go ahead of you if they just went over the ridge right in front of you. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to like reassess those, like why you do it and if you should still do it or if you should do it differently. And that's something that's really valuable, taking someone out who's fresh to it and like having them ask all those questions. And like most of the time I have a pretty, you know, quick answer. That's a good answer. But sometimes it's kind of like, 
yeah, why do we do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of I think that's too a good take home. Like, you know, even a, you take a beginning hunter, never been exposed to hunting in their life, but you always can learn from each other um, or anybody. You can learn from anybody unless they're kind of a butthole about stuff. But, um, <laughs> but I feel like everybody has valuable information. It's just the amount of helping each other out and stuff like that. Yeah. That you can share that between each other. Any, anything else? I don't know. I think, um, well, yeah, Maddie, you're trying to shoot a buck this fall? <laughs> um, or a doe? Or whichever comes first? I guess either. I don't, yeah. I just want the meat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. But, yeah, thank you, Maddie, for being on. For sure. Thank uh, Thank you guys for... Uh, that was a good little little podcast, you know, <laughs> talking uh, about the things we usually never, I guess, dive into is getting into it. And it's kind of interesting and enlightening to hear someone else's opinion that's never been exposed to it before till now. But welcome to the outdoor hunting community. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed this first hunting journey. And hopefully we can keep learning from each other and enjoying the outdoors. On next week's show, we bring back Matt Hogan and a first-time guest in Klaus on to talk about some fishing. If you love high mountain lakes and cutthroat trout, tune in to next week's show. You can also follow us on Instagram at Storied Podcast Official, all one word, Storied Podcast Official. And also keep following us here on Spotify. Thank you guys very much and enjoy.